We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Your love of your RV drove you to the Grand Canyon. And your love of the Grand Canyon drove you to the gift shop, where you overdid it just a little. Guess who's getting an I Heart the Grand Canyon t-shirt for their birthday? Everyone. For their next six birthdays. Luckily, your love of your RV also drove you to protect it with Progressive RV Insurance. While wearing your new favorite shirt. Visit Progressive.com to cover the things you love. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Anyone need a shirt? This is 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 this and producer, Mr. Brian Goins. We're going to make sure we use that survey. Oh, that's right. Our, our Heat Twitter uh, listener survey thing that uh, we tweeted out. Oh, it took oh, such Brian. a long time. Brian, you've ruined, Brian, you ruined the show five seconds in. Congratulations. Uh, you're in timeout. We have our Saucy Nuggets insider, Mr. Lefty Leif. What's up? What's up? We have our statistician and Photoshopper, Mr. Christian Hernandez. Remember to always bet on yourself and then double down. Yeah! And we have Heat Twitter President Alf. Alf, sir, how are you doing? Speaking of racism, why were we so excited about Gordon Hayward? Like, really, Gordon Hayward. We were so excited. Like, look at his hair. He is the leader of the alt-right. The guy is a neo-Nazi. I cannot believe we expected that to work in Miami. Anybody with that haircut is a neo-Nazi, and he is against freedom and everything I stand for. So he is perfectly, he fits perfectly in Boston. That's where he belongs with all the other racists, all right? And then, oh, and so what's the big deal? Now Boston's got Kyrie Irving. Do we even know Kyrie Irving's good? Like, we wanted Kyrie Irving, and he was great. But now that he's in Boston, I don't even really think he's that good. Because when he was by himself, he ran that team for three years, and he ran them into the ground. They sucked. 
They didn't even make the playoffs. So we still don't even know Kyrie Irving's good. Like, is he just a result of LeBron, or is he really a good player? So, like, did Boston even get better? I think Boston got worse. So for all the all these years, Danny Ainge is building up all these assets, and he just throws them all the way for Kyrie Irving. They lost Avery Bradley. They lost Jay Crowder. Now they got freaking Al Horford, who's afraid to get a rebound. They got Gordon Hayward, who's, who's a racist. And they got Kyrie Irving, who we don't know is even good. And so why is everyone, why do people keep helping their calves? Huh? Why do they keep helping the Cavs? Like, look what they got for Butler and what they got for Paul George. All right? They get nothing. Scraps. Like, Victor Oladipo. Like, give me a break with Victor Oladipo. He sucks. And they traded him for Paul George, right? So, so Paul George gets traded for nothing. Jimmy Butler gets traded for nothing. Kyrie Irving, oh, just give him the whole freak. Every asset you ever built up, just give it away. Give it away for Kyrie Irving. And we don't even know if he's good, right? And, so, and that's exactly what I'm saying when we're talking about the anthem protest. Like, everyone just got the whole anthem protest thing wrong, right? Alan Cabernet was doing it for a completely different reason. Now it just becomes like this watered-down crap like they did at the ESPYs where LeBron Wade and Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony. Well, I'll get to him in a second. I think when they, they were up there doing that bumper sticker crap, like this literally, all this holding hands and locking arms and all this crap, there's this one giant bumper sticker, and it did just water down Kaepernick's entire message. By the way, I would never kneel for the pledge, but I not the pledge or whatever the answer, whatever. Right? But I would never kneel for that crap. But listen, I go to games, and no one even cares when the pledge is on, when the anthem is on. Last time we went to a Marlins game, you had the bar getting drinks. We didn't even know the anthem was playing. There's people getting peanuts and hot dogs. Nobody gives a crap. Half the people at Marlins Stadium don't even speak English. They don't even know what anthem that is. So what I'm so now it's a big deal. People are so self righteous. People are just freaking hypocrites, right? And and like so and like now everybody's mad at uh, Odell Beckham Jr. because he pretended to pee on the field, right? He needed to pee on Eli Manning and 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 that joke of a coach Bob McAdoo they have. That offense sucks. The only good thing about that team is Odell Beckham Jr. But nobody be mad at Odell Beckham. He's the only one worth crap on that entire team. And then, uh, speaking of crap, this whole crap with Dwayne Wade, right? He, uh-oh, it was about the money. It was about respect. Listen, so now you've lost the money, you've lost the respect, and now you're a LeBron James uh, jock writer. So be it. We didn't need him anyway. I, honestly, I, I wanted to make sure TJ got minutes because I wanted John Carl to be completely depressed this whole season. Uh, so I'm glad Dwayne Wade isn't on this team. Like, we don't even need him. So all in all, it was like a really good summer, guys, but I got to go. Mike, that is my president. Oh, I need a cigarette. <sighs> and a sandwich. I think we should come Jesus. back next week. Do you know what you, you, know what you call that? That's heat culture, baby. Oh, man, that was all Fire. kinds of culture, man. That was like culture, yeah, a, little, a little bit of everything. Culture vulture. I would never kneel if that was my president. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to the regularly scheduled programming. Oh, that came out so really wrong. I appreciated that Giants tangent at the end, which is super appropriate for this heat. No, podcast. I mean, like, he's he's been away from a microphone for so long that he had to give in his Giants take. He had to say Odell should pee on Eli. He went all the way back to Gordon Hayward because it's been so long, right? Like, he's not been able, he's not had a platform to give a take in forever. We were, like, three months back, you know? So, um... Well, I mean, Ethan, Ethan was gone, so he doesn't have that platform anymore. Oh, my God. He didn't even... 
He didn't even get to Ethan. Or Ethan. I, um, I, I, I think he spared Ethan. <coughs> Anyways. I guess where we have to start the show today is the... Um, am I wrong by saying it feels like a second departure? Of what? Of, like, Wade going to Cleveland? Like, it, it feels like he left again. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, I, I kind of feel that way. If we really think about it, this all makes perfect sense. Like, you know, there was that comment back when they played on, like, what was it, Christmas or something? You know, the we're going to meet up again and do big things. Did anybody really think that was going to be in Miami? Knowing what I, I what LeBron really requires out of a franchise? Like, I, I, I mean, I legitimately did. But this you know all what? seemed planned. Like, and and I think anybody who listens to the show or sees me on Twitter knows how much I love and care about Dwayne. I don't. I, I mean, obviously, I wanted him on the team, but I do think that it's for the best that they, the interests are not mutual. He wants a role. He wants to try to win. I know that there's the emotional pull of Miami, but right now is probably this is not the place for him. Like just the environment of. Him coming off the bench and him really not having a role. Him not having a role for a non-contender on top of that, right? And I just think that it's kind of the right move for him to go there. It makes a lot of sense. It's probably where he wants to be. And I don't know if you guys have seen like LeBron today like in interviews. Man, I don't remember ever seeing him that happy. Like he's glowing. Like he's talking and he's like smiling and he's he just seems like he gives off this aura that I haven't seen in a long time. So as hurt as I am, I kind of feel like it's um, it's probably for the best. And uh, we welcome in our professional screw-up, Alex Toledo, who was late. He missed the best part of the show. Hi, Alex. What was that? Um, Al ranted for like five minutes about everything he's missed, and now he's gone again. It was so good. Oh. Well, that's what you get for being late. You're the worst, man. You really are. No, you said, listen, you said, give me 15 more minutes, we were, and then we did, and then you were still late. Hashtag living with IBS. You're in mid-season form. <laughs> yeah, you're in mid-season form. Uh, Leif. I come to training camp ready. Leif, do you agree with what I'm saying? Like, I think that the, that the, the not getting back together is, like, the best for both parties. I think so. I mean, it's, it's kind of... Uh... It hurts more that it's Cleveland, in my opinion. It's not that it's not, that he's not in Miami because their backcourt is crowded. There's plenty of talent. Uh, we're going in a different direction, obviously. Um, the, even the you know the, you're talking about the offense and, and maximizing Goran and the, those guys. Dwayne doesn't really fit into that, and we saw that. But uh, but it's just him in the Cleveland uniform. Like you saw that picture that the that the. The Cavs Twitter account. Oh my god! I don't know why they would choose that photo because he looks like a sixty-year-old like <laughs> man on a park bench. But um, I don't know, man. Like j- just that whole situation of him being with that clown franchise up in Cleveland in an area that he doesn't want to be in. You know, he's going against his instincts, but you know, it's his best friend, and uh, and they do. They are a contender. We cannot deny that. Alex? I mean, it's the deepest team they've ever had. Again. <laughs> every year. <laughs> every year. 
<laughs> but yeah, I feel like the like uh, they were talking about it today on the Levitard show how like the year in Chicago gave him a cushion or whatever. I kind of call BS on that. I love how apocalyptically bad the season in Chicago went that this happened. Like I, I think if they were a good team and if he did not like if Hoidberg didn't like punish him a game and if there was no problems with Rondo and like other people in that lark like that went Jimmy Butler got hurt that went about as bad as it could go. Absolutely, like, I, and everybody saw it coming too. Because, like, what at that point, like, and, and all season we saw how unhappy he was, and we all knew that. Okay, well, if if he's unhappy here, then he's gonna go. Like, and the only place to go is Miami or Cleveland, right? So, the writing was on the wall in that sense. But I don't know how premeditated it was that he's like, oh, I'm gonna create a cushion. I mean, I don't think it was premeditated. I mean, I meant cushion as in like uh, cushion towards everybody's reaction. To him leaving Cleveland, I feel like like what Mike Ryan was saying today that if he would have left to Cleveland last summer, that's a whole different story. The reaction to uh, from to him leaving for Chicago was completely different to him leaving for Cleveland. I think among I fans. don't know, man. I think I think fans were equally hurt, and like I don't know if you've been on Twitter today. I mean, there are people denouncing him. Riz McGuinness is talking about. Man, I don't believe he's that. like, oh, Dwayne's status has he's hurt his status. I was like, man. what? The difference does it make if he went to go play for Cleveland or Yo, Denver? That's the same thing that we do that anytime anything of so note happens. Of course, because that's how Twitter is. It but supports like, and it incentivizes reactionary. And at the end of the day, people are going to forget that in, in two years, you're going to be building a statue. Like, in, I don't believe that for years, a second. When you go to the basketball reference page and you see like the two isolated one Chicago year and then Cleveland year and then Laker year, like... It doesn't make a difference if it's a CLE or a DEN, like, or if it's an SAS. You know what I mean? Like, the, the fact that he's just not here, I think, is what matters. Not, I think that maybe fans can rationalize it, like, oh, he went to the enemy. But I, man, I, at least as a personal thing, it doesn't matter if he went there, if he went to Denver, or San Antonio. Like, it'll all feel the same. I don't know. See, in my experience, I, I actually disagree. I think that um, if he, it, it's. Him going to Cleveland stirs up all of the emotions from the LeBron defection and all of the big three, you know, falling apart. If, if Dwayne had gone to San Antonio right now, I don't think you'd see the same emotions pouring out of Heat Twitter, quite frankly. Uh, even OKC, maybe a little bit more because you'd have the people saying, look, he's following the superstars. The Heat don't have superstars. That's the problem. Riley's washed. Um, you know, like, but but San Antonio places like that, it's pretty benign if he's there. It's the Cleveland thing because then it's all about Le- like when LeBron left, you're, you're all those old feelings you're conjuring them up. Yeah, we bring in our own hot take, Harry. Harry is um, Harry loves to eviscerate Dwayne. He loves to eviscerate everyone. Um, Harry, I know you're here for a limited time only. Uh, what do you have to say? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm just listening to you guys. You're all wrong, first of all. Um, this was very, very calculated. I mean, Wade and LeBron are laughing, you know, the first time LeBron came back to Miami about how they're going to get together and do bigger and better things. So they always had this plan. Wade was ready to leave last year. He was on he was on a boat in the, uh, in the Mediterranean with his boy LeBron, and he was trying to figure out how he could make the most money and still get to Cleveland. And whoop-de-doo, here he did it. So, you know, alleging Chicago that this was all premeditated. Chicago, he he knew Chicago was a stupid franchise and that they would give him whatever money he wanted. Chicago was basically bidding against themselves. He gave him a fair offer. You know, they threw in the Denver Nuggets last year just to drive up the price, and there he ends up in Chicago. 
ends up making almost forty million from the Bulls for one year of you know being a fat tub of lard. And, uh, and then he's with his boy LeBron. It all worked out perfectly. I don't think they could have planned it any better. Look, there's some really strong evidence that they have been planning their career moves together as early as 2006. Like, I, you can't, I, I am. I don't think that's a hot take at all, Harry. I think that's a normal take that normal yeah, people would think. Speaking of right, well, let, let, let me give it. Let me, give you a, let me give you a hot. Let me give you a hot take. Uh, all these fake people who are supposedly mad today are a bunch. Oh, they they are ridiculous. Okay, you should have been mad last year when Wade uh, completely threw the Heat organization under the bus, made us sound like we didn't want any part of him anymore. When we offered him two years, forty-one and a half million, which was a super fair offer for a superstar past his prime. And he made it seem like we didn't negotiate with him. We didn't talk to him while he's on a boat doing who knows what with LeBron. Screw Wade. Screw <laughs> who LeBron. Who knows what? Screw the You know what I'm implying. You know they're close. <laughs> That's what I'm asking for. I'm asking for follow-up. What are they doing? Painting their toenails. Listen, we're, we're a syndicated network radio show now. I can't say exactly <laughs> what they're doing, but use your, use your imagination. They're doing things that bros that are really close getting drunk on wine do together, you know? Flying death machine. Dwine. Yeah, they're, oh, dancing, they're dancing together, they're grinding together, they're having fun together, <laughs> you know, and that, now they're in Cleveland together, so they're going to have to cuddle to stay warm because it's very cold up there, and they got exactly what they wanted. So hot take, Harry out. <laughs> that was uh, That was our own hot take, Harry. Mic drop. We've had two mic drops today. I felt like Alf was a little stronger. Harrison's was just filled with hatred. Alf, Alf with repression of not being able to give his takes. Um, I know that a lot of people have alleged that Dwayne and LeBron are kind of planning this. I do think that there's a very rational delineation of like situations that made these moves possible. And so, like I, uh, Leif, Leif, we were talking off air right before the show. Like it would appear that Riley didn't make that hard a push for Dwayne, and if he did might make a difference you know what i mean so yeah like the fact that he like you're saying that you know you think that they put an offer out you know they put an offer out but like riley was here it's not like riley flew out there and he wasn't groveling you know that that might have changed things as well so it's you know fans are piling on Dwayne when i think that there wasn't that much interest from the organization to start it, it sounds like the organization made the offer. Uh, they had the people like Udonis, probably other players. Uh, I wouldn't put it past Coach Spo to put in, you know, send a text. But um, so, so they, were, they definitely expressed to him that they'd love to have him back. But it's not like Riley is uh, getting on the horn to Alonzo and saying, meet us at the airport because we got to get on the jet because we got to fly out and we have to sit down with him. Uh, so... You know, and, and I think a lot of that has to do with roster construction and also timing. And um, and also, quite frankly, they're not going to chase, uh, you know, Dwayne at this juncture, considering all circumstances. I, I kind of think that it's interesting considering the information that has come out about waiters in the last two days. And we're going to get into waiters more in detail later. But you would think that if you're armed with the information that 
Waiters has a bad ankle, maybe you kind of want to bring him off the bench and limit his minutes to start the season and give Dwayne a bigger role to start and maybe diminish that as the season goes on as as Dion gets more healthy, especially because you made a four-year investment with Dion. You know, that, that to me was kind of has stuck out. Like, that's where I see the relationship working. You know, you got to give a lot of minutes to Udonis. I don't put my special request in the spoke for some minutes in that game. I definitely got five fouls, six or whatever. I ain't played so long. How many fouls you get before you foul out? Six is in your out. Six. Three okay, on each. You. Three yeah, on each yeah, or a couple, one extra for Dwayne. Yeah. Probably three on each and a flagrant for Dwayne. That was terrible producing by you because you just introduced that sound out of nowhere. No introduction. The only reason I know that that's the sound of Udonis Haslam telling a reporter that he's used six fouls on Dwayne is because I saw it on Twitter. Brian, you Brian is in preseason. You didn't warn us. He's in preseason form. Yeah, Alex is in midseason form. Alex is 10 minutes late like he always is. Alex is ready. They've come with information. You know, Alf coming with fire takes. And Brian, you're terrible. He didn't warn us that Iroh's voice was coming. I, think I, I know that I, I know that the reports on Dion's ankle don't look good, and it is concerning. But I think at some point right now, until like we, until any one of the human beings who has an opinion on this, including all of us, actually see him on a basketball court, I don't think it's really fair for us to jump to this conclusion that like Dion is out for the season. Dion cannot play. Um, Obviously, you know, based on his track record, he may, you know, he could very well miss games. But do you, do we really think they signed him to that four year deal, knowing that he was on a bum ankle? I mean, how I mean, do you maybe, not know? Maybe they did. Maybe they did. But um, I think it could be getting overblown a little bit. Am I being too much heat positive there? I don't know, man. Like the way that Manny was talking, Manny Navarro of the Miami area was talking about it, and just what I've seen from the reporters on Twitter. And uh, I believe, Brian, we're having Anthony Chang on next week, correct? Yep. So we'll be able to ask him a little bit more, but confirmed. It would, uh, it would just appear that maybe you're right. Maybe the reporters are overblowing it a bit, but I am concerned when a four year investment in a guy that we were already skeptical of has an injury that, like, listen. The the thing with Dion that we're all going to watch this year is how can he finish at the rim, right? Because the shot-getting ability is not in question. It's finishing at the rim. And if Dion's going to have an ankle that's not 100%, then that really comes into question, and that changes the dynamic of everything. So, like, that adds an entire new layer of, oh, I don't know what we're going to get this year. Oh, right. But, I mean, from a contract perspective, like, he's going to be in his prime for the whole contract. So, from an injury standpoint, you shouldn't think that he should, like, have a real slowdown from recovering from something like this. Because he's not that old. And even if they did have to, like, let's say he ends up needing surgery in a month and he's lost for the year. All right, then at least he's done this. What I don't like, and especially after what happened to Ryan Tannehill, is that they could have done surgery, but they chose not to. And now it's proving that, you know, doing the non-surgical way doesn't seem to have been as effective as they hoped. So that's the only thing that's a little, you know, concerning. But even if he does have surgery, he'll be out for a year. You'll have him back next season. And he's still just turning 27 years old. Like, I kind of I don't think that that's even that bad anyway. Uh, well, do they have their draft pick this year? I guess that, that kind of affects. It's top seven protected, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, so to Phoenix, right? Correct. And and okay. 
So, so they're going to convey that pick to Phoenix, even yeah. if Dion misses the entire season. Yeah, because they're not going to be that bad, considering how bad the East is and the Knicks exist. The bottom yeah, of the East Jer- is garbage. James man. Johnson, baby. Don't get it twisted. Kelly Olynyk and James Johnson. Get James right. Johnson has melted off weight, and I, like I thought he was fit last year. I mean, this year I was like, what? Can you believe he came in at two seventy six and he's down to two forty? Wow. Yeah. That's pretty crazy for a guy his size. He was 276? Seems a lot. That's huge. 240 is really lean for somebody his size. I mean, he looks... Like, honestly, I was a little concerned on how lean he looked. I'm like, is he healthy? Is he eating? They're going to have him at the top of the key facilitating offense, I would imagine. I mean, I don't think think you can pay that guy to... um, to not do some of that stuff, especially considering we only have one true point guard on the roster. Yeah, they signed him to be part point guard. Yep. I was just thinking that there's going to be the game where we don't have Dragic or Whiteside, and he's going to start at both point guard and center. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He's, I mean, yeah, I'm all in. Well, he's he's really unique in that he can do that, and it kind of like bums you out that they didn't get their hands on him earlier. You know, like, imagine what, what they would have been able to do if they got him at 26. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, like, you know. Kind of like how they got their hands on this young kid named Bam Adebayo. He's, hit, he's hitting shots, man. He's hitting shots in, in practice. He's hitting threes, right? That's, that's what they're... Uh, that's Chris Webber. Chris Webber in the flesh. Back. In, in More athletic league, Chris Webber. You know, like, watching him in Summer League, you could see that there was a skill set there. But he just kind of seemed a little clumsy and, and really raw. So I, I want it's going to be cool to see how the training camp, you know, kind of um, develops all that skill. Because we saw how raw he was in Summer League. I feel like you're in the, minor, in the minority with your opinion on, on him. You don't think he looked clumsy in Summer League? I think for a big man, not at all. I don't know. I saw him fumbling the ball a lot. Like, I saw, like, the skill there. Like, you watch Dude, you him and you're one like... quarter of one game. No, I... Watch like three quarters of three different games. Yeah. Well, the things that really impressed me about Bam and Summer League were his touch around the rim. And honestly, just he was not afraid to initiate contact, which we need guys like that who are going to draw fouls. And if he can be that guy and hit 80% at the line, which is what he did in Summer League on like almost 10 attempts a game. Like, that is a huge, that's a game changer right there coming off the bench. Like... You know, and, and Chris, I don't know if maybe you can find this out. I don't know where they ranked in um, how many free throws they got last year, but it didn't appear like a lot, and I don't think they were good at shooting them. No, um, they were definitely not good at shooting them. They were one of the worst teams at shooting them in terms of efficiency. If they can consistently make their free throws and get them, that's good. you know how much that helps a defense like that? Like that one with guys like, you know, you're, you're saving guys. Ener- like in the half court, they're so athletic. They can switch everything. Like they're going to be so good defensively, especially if they can get set. Right. Okay. And so, yeah, they shot the fifth fewest free throw attempts a game on the worst free throw percentage in the league. No bueno. And that's Goran getting mauled a lot and not getting calls, you know, also like which which has just been his M.O. Um, but. And he looks, he looks yoked, man. Gord looks big. 
Oh my god, Goran. we are about to get Prime Goran at 31, man. I am so ready for this. We're about between him being in shape in the best shape of his career and with that beard, I'm so excited. I love bearded Goran. Mainly for the beard. The bearded dragon. Yo, he looks like Asa- a whole new man. Hassan is gonna morph into Alonzo. Goran is gonna morph into Timmy. And um Mashburn is gonna be what we hoped that we that he was gonna turn out to be. And we're going to the finals. Heat culture. I thought uh I thought what Justice said was funny. Did you see that when they asked him if his uh shot had improved and he says God doesn't give us everything? <laughs> Some, something to that effect. That's so a very mature response. That reminds that. me of, of them asking Dwayne every year if he worked on his three point shot and he just said, <laughs> Man, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> That's what I thought of, and I'm like, oh man. You know, I'm gonna start alongside LeBron. I think the Justice Winslow <laughs> thing is funny because obviously Miami fans are the ones both qualified to talk about him, right? Because we're the ones watching him all the time. And I think that Miami fans are probably the highest on him because they see, also probably because we're homers, but because we see like just that ability. To, he had, like kind of he has. Like, if Bam was smaller, kind of like that skill set, like, he can dribble, he can just do everything but shoot, right? Like, just a playmaker, he could run, pick, and roll, and... I think the excitement about Justice Winslow is in direct proportion to how Devin Booker is playing at any current moment. If Devin Booker is shooting well and scoring a lot, people are down on Justice. If Devin Booker is quiet or it's the summer... People think get excited so? about justice. <laughs> that's my so. theory, and I'm sticking that's, to it. That's your uh, the Devin Booker. Yeah, because Booker was taking what, like two picks after him? Yeah. yeah. I don't like Booker. I think Booker's just a guy. That's Ooh. Jack Alfonso's favorite player. You guys, am I, like, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I'd probably still rather have justice if you ask me. Am I being dumb? Maybe I'm being dumb. I think you're. We kind of are already seeing what Devin Booker's going to be. We still have no idea what Justice can be, and I think his ceiling is much higher because of that. Like, unless Devin Booker starts turning into a real serious defender, like he's a he's clearly a one sided player, and he's not even he, he didn't shoot that well in terms of efficiency last year. He just had some games where he went off, and so everybody's you know praising his name. Yo, honestly, we could have it a lot worse with him. You, you're talking about a Suns player. Look at, uh, what's his dude's name? TJ Warren from the Suns. He just got paid four years, 50 mil. The guy can't defend. He can't shoot. He can't make plays for others. TJ Warren will give you a solid 15 points a game just off of cuts and off of floaters. And he's kind of like a traditional wing in that sense. He just got four years, 50 mil. Justice does everything that guy can do, along with playmaking, defense, rebounding, and like whatever else he gets better at. You know, but I, I I feel like, yo, we could have it a lot worse. And there's still so much more to come with him. If Justice became Tony Allen, but could dribble, like you take that. Depends what you mean. Like, like just role Tony, wise, like he's Tony, like he's Tony Allen. I, like he's I don't think I don't think you necessarily can have too many players on on the court at one time that people can just disregard offensively. Um, So he would need to be able to make plays better than Tony Allen. But if in other respects, that's the way he impacts the game. I think that absolutely. I mean, basically the blueprint for justice Winslow to me is exactly what you saw in Anthony Mason, the year that he was in Miami, go look at his stat line across the board. 
I think that's kind of what you are hoping justice can do, in my opinion. I think probably because you guys are going to get mad at me, but I think we're a little too high on this team. Um, I think that they're going to struggle offensively a lot. I think where they're going to go through some stretches where it's going to be pretty rough and it's going to be it's going to be hard for them to score, especially when Goran's not on the floor. And I think they shot the ball and they generated a lot of open shots last year. A lot. They were in the top percentile, one of the top percentiles in the league of generating open threes. And a lot of guys had career years shooting the ball. James Johnson included, and he wasn't even that great um, from, from, from distance. And my concern is how bad that offense might look on some nights, especially when Goran sits. And that's going to be the Achilles heel of, the, of that team. I think that's a fair point. Uh, I think that in, in, in shooting is going to be huge. and um, It and, comes down know, to shooting. I think this it, year their, their success is going to come down to how well they shoot the ball. So basically it comes down to Wayne Ellington, right? <laughs> it has to be a collective. Collective. Matt Williams. Um, but but the, with expectations, yes. I, I think that probably me in particular are, are a little higher on this team than most people. But think about what we're, what we're coming off of. Losing three Hall of Famers, Bosch, go, Bosch going down, um, completely having to revamp the entire roster top to bottom. Um, so... I think I'm kind of going at this as this is going to take a few years and the quick fix band-aid deal that everybody thinks has to happen immediately or everybody is incompetent at their job. That's just, that's never how this has worked. It just, it's it shows you that people have not been paying attention for very long because we've gone through these transition periods multiple times. This is not new. It's only new to the new fans. Um, and so, you know, you take it for what it is, you continue to build and for people to think that they're not going to hit on another star at some point, they're not going to capitalize and make that trade. It's, you know, it shows that they're new to this entire process. Uh, They already did hit a star. Bam, bam. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Kelly Olenek, baby. Get it right. I actually, I really like Kelly Olenek, but. Oh no, wait a second. Leif. If if I got next to Pat Riley, I put my arm around him and he and I said, Riley, Pat, Riley, comma Pat. I'm gonna give you a choice right now, and this is like two months ago. You can have Dwayne for the mid-level exception, or you can give four years to Kelly Olenek. Olenek. Which do you think he picks? I think that too, and it makes me mad. That he's good at his job? No! no. I don't want <laughs> Kelly Olenek, man. They, they, they always go after the heat killers, man. They go after the heat killers. And Where's Marcus Thornton? Oh, they did go after Marcus Thornton. Marcus Thornton is like the heat killer. I mean, if you go watch what Kelly Olenek has done to Hassan Whiteside in games, he's literally had him spinning around. Man, like, every white guy, every white center does that to Hassan Whiteside. It's not, he's not special. Uh, that's, like his, that's his kryptonite, dude. Hassan is like, oh, white center. I don't know. Like because he's white, yo. That's what it boils down to. You know what I'm saying? And I get it. He's a goofy looking white cat. So nobody wants to, to root for that guy. But no, he's all dirty. Out of the high post, finding cutters and dirty. setting screens and getting gore into the rim. I mean, you can either be a basketball fan or this can just be about jokes, you know? I like jokes. I know, but. 
I think it's hilarious that <laughs> we finally got off of the Josh McRoberts deal after everybody, like, complaining for the past we three a, we years. We have another. We have another Josh. Four years. <laughs> we have four years of McBob again, except he's, he's not as fancy passes. Yo, he needs to be good because I mean, Kelly Olynyk is not good. <laughs> yo, that, they're yo, never signing a white guy again. They're, if, if Kelly Olynyk isn't good, the Heat are never signing a white power forward again. This is true. They're done. They're like, no, we're done with whites. We're all gonna like, stop being homers. When we, when we brought Sasha Danilovich over, and then we like didn't bring another European player on the roster for two decades. <laughs> Same deal. You're meant. Well, We'll always have Dan Marley. Thunder Dan. Um, I miss Dan Marley. Speaking of Dan Marley, I, I think of uh, Eric and Tony. We're, we're, we're entering Tony's final year. Um, and by the way, listeners, uh, we want ideas to honor Mr. Tony Fiorentino in his last year. So if you have any creative ideas, uh, tweet us over at MIA Beat. Because we love, here on the show, we're big Tony Fiorentino fans. We love Tony and Eric, so we want to honor Tony in a funny, creative way. So if you have any ideas, uh, we're gonna we're gonna crowdsource this. Can we get him on? I want him on so bad. I'm gonna maybe we can try, dude. Because like the thing with Tony is that like we're laughing at him, but we're also laughing with him because like we legitimately like love Tony. Yo, he's like our drunk grandfather. He is, dude. He is without the racism. Well. <laughs> To him, to, in Tony's world, everybody's from Mount Vernon. If Tony comes on a podcast, Dos Minutos has to be on. Has to be, like, written in the bylaws or something like that. His, Tony's Twitter interactions with, like, Heat, like, like Heat Twitter. Not, like, Heat fans on Twitter, but, like, his interactions with Heat Twitter are hilarious. Because, like, we get so unreasonably happy when he'll just retweet and go, yeah! And we're like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but, um, it's an yeah. honor to be followed by Tony and Jax. You're followed by Tony? And Jax, but not Eric Reed. I can't crack Eric Reed, man. He's a, that's a tough one. So nice, man. Like, I, I think people just like tweet him, like, hey, Eric, can I go say hi? And he'll, he'll like, say hi to you. Some people. Who, who, do, you gonna, who do you think they're going to replace Tony with? Battier? John Crotty. Oh. I want Shane, dude. Shane? Yeah, that you know dude's not... gonna take over the front Yo, office, man. Did you he forget how bad booth? he was, Shane? <laughs> did you forget how bad he was in the booth when he first started? But he's good on Levitard. I love when Shane goes on the radio and co-hosts. I mean, that's a whole different medium, man. I don't know, dude. I really. You think it's John? Car- like, I mean, I love Karate. Don't get me wrong, but I kind of wanted something fresh, you know. Karate is the one seed in that tournament. And and Battier sliding Excel spreadsheets to Spo, man. Like, leave him alone. Let him do his thing. Do you think? Do you think Crotty? Because Crotty doesn't travel, right? Crotty doesn't do road games. Do you think Crotty wants to travel? No. <laughs> like, I'm like a, are you really asking us if we like get inside the mind of Crotty? Leif, how plugged in are you? <laughs> I'll work on it. Listen, I no, guarantee you. I'm hesitant no to say that because other... you know these loudmouthed children are going to come after me and say, oh, he's not going to be able to get any information on that. He's fake. Uh, How about you just report and report back? And no other podcast is doing John Karate talk. I'll get first. it to us in six to eight weeks. Okay. Cornering the market. Cornering the market on Josh Karate talk. Karate talk. <laughs> Isn't that Barry Jackson's market? 
<laughs> we're taking it from Barry. Barry has it. Has Barry done this? Right. It's funny. Listen. Try to get Barry on for the Anthony Chang show. Maybe Anthony can even help us get Barry on. We're gonna we're gonna crowdsource our, our guest booking, and we're gonna ask him who the front runner is for the uh, for the Tony Fiorentino job. They should do a reality show, like The Bachelor, and Tony gives out like little microphones until like they decide at the end who takes his job. No, <laughs> I thought. Who do you think Tony wants to replace him? Dwayne Wade. I don't even. I don't Scaramucci. think Tony wants to leave. I think they're pushing Tony out. <laughs> I, think, I think Tony doesn't want to leave. And Stop. I think they're, I think, I think they're pushing machine. him out. The, the, the human resources department, HR is like, oh, man. HR is like, get him off the Offering him a lucrative retirement package. Not enough, Tony. <laughs> a beach house and like, Yo. beach house somewhere, you know. <laughs> He's too, you know, like you know, like when guys work for a company for a long time, you know, you, maybe a company buys them a car or something. They give them a they're, beach house, a new car. They're throwing, they're throwing, they're throwing those little pamphlets under his office door <laughs> to all these different resorts. The, the lucrative retirement packages on deck, man. Retire in Sunny Isles today, <laughs> Tony. Dude, he lives in. I think he lives in Key Biscayne. He's happy with his dogs being the bachelor that he is. Yeah, I heard a rumor that uh, Christian had stats. You got stats? I, I was going to get into Josh Richardson talk, but what, you want to do stats or you want to do Jay Rich talk first? Let's do stats. It's good. I was just looking at some. When it comes to samples, size matters. Except for this next segment. Let's have some fun with some small, teeny weeny sample sizes. This is Small Sample Size Theater. Featuring Nate Heights, Duncan, or Christian Hernandez, whoever is available. Not today is Christian Hernandez. Oh, I love her. She's lovely. No, it's, it's, right. it's okay, Brian. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> all right. So, so all summer, what I've been wondering is the Heat brought back essentially the same team, but they made two major changes. They added. Kelly Olenek and Bam Adebayo to the front court, and obviously the front court was an area of extreme weakness for the team. So, using NBA Wowie, I decided to do some digging as to how the team played without five players who were either no longer with the team or really in a player-coach facet, which is Derek Williams, Josh McRoberts, Luke Babbitt, Willie Reed, and of course Udonis. So when you take all of those guys out of all the Heat lineups this season, you get 1,345 minutes of data, which is about one-third of the season. And the team was outscoring opponents by 8.4 points per 100 possessions, which, if you compare it to how teams did in the East this year, would have actually made Miami the best team in the league. So I think there's a certain amount of extent, especially data-wise, why the Heat believe that this team can actually be successful. Um, and I think a big reason why we had such a parallel between the beginning of the season and the end of the season was that during the 11 and 30, you only had 480 minutes of the team playing without those players. And in the second half of the season, you had over 800 minutes, so about double the amount of time. So that means you had more positive players on the court for longer stretches, which resulted in the team playing uh, 11 points per 100 possessions better than the opponent during the second half of the season. So 
I think they analyze, especially now that they have Battier there, they're clearly big on data and analytics. They clearly found that their core players let them play really good basketball. They just need better complementary players and more well-rounded players to fill it out. Because if you talk about guys like Derek Williams, Josh McRoberts, Luke Babbitt, and Willie Reed, those are all very either one-dimensional players or playing on brokenness. So it's good to have continuity. It's good to have players that are, you know, can bring you a variety of things. And I think the thing that keeps Pat Riley up at night to this day is what the Spurs did to him in 2014, which caused LeBron to bolt. And what was that? A team of well-rounded, above-average players that played cohesively as a team and dominated the Heat's soul. And that was small sample size theater. That was excellent. Came strong out of the box. Good way to start the season. And actually, Christian, when you say that, you know, and if you look at the Spurs model, you know, you'd kind of be, you know, if you can net a Kawhi Leonard type guy. Justice better. Justice better. Um, if you could snag like a star in free agency, you maybe you could replicate that that style. And especially with, you know, a couple Clay's contract to Golden State's going to come up soon. So LeBron's getting older. You know, there might be an opportunity to pounce and, and kind of t- seize the conference. You know, and the yeah. league, you know, and at least the conference. And I think part of what they did as well is that they really gave themselves about 10 players that can really bring something positive to the table. So they have the flexibility if one or two guys, like if, if Dion ends up being a bust for some reason, I still think that Dion brings a lot of things to the table that nobody else on this team can do. If James Johnson was a one-year renaissance fluke and he you know, returns back to being the guy who was never given responsibilities. A black real possibility. I don't think it'll happen as at all, but crazier things have happened. So I think what they've done is that they've really given themselves some flexibility in case one or two guys don't pan out like they would, and then you just bring it down to an eight-man rotation, you go out there and dominate. I think, and the, the foundation of that group is going to be defense. And I think it's kind of easier to build around that, but especially when you have, like you just said, a lot of guys that can contribute multiple ways. Justice Winslow, very versatile player. Josh Richardson can contribute in multiple ways. Uh, I think maybe Hassan is maybe one of the few guys who can't give you that many different things, but even he's not a liability on defense anymore. And, you know, maybe he can fix the passing, but, yeah, I mean, the things that Hassan does give you, though, they solidify your team. Like, and they're unique. And they're very nowadays, unique. Nowadays, they're unique. Like, the two things that he does that separate him from everyone else are his ability to alter shots at the rim and his ability to put back rebounds and score on the offensive end. That's free points to an offense that just failed. Like, you, I honestly can't stress enough that having six to eight put-back points per game salvages your team so many times so what the fact that Hassan bought in so much the second half of last year to playing team basketball especially on defense and not caring about blocking shots I think shows that he really is trying to grow and I think we're going to see Hassan's best season this year I think that he's gotten that rap that he doesn't want to grow and I think we've we've beaten this dead horse on this show I think he's, he's one of the most coachable guys. Like he fixes the things yeah. he's not good at. Like yeah, I he guess he proved us wrong and shut us up. He really did. 
I think the passing is the only thing that like you can be critical of, and, and it is an area to be critical of. I was Don't just get about me wrong. to say that, man. You know, that's um, the next level for him. That's a, that's that's the next level up. It is because if he starts passing, he doesn't need to be Jokic. But if Class that guy career. has more than ninety three career, he has ninety three career assists, I believe. Like that's yo, that's ridiculous. If he just becomes an average passer, I think that could do a lot of good for the offense. Wiley below and, like, that sounds passer. like a ridiculous thing, but like. If he's really about uh, growing and uh, playing team ball and moving the ball, like that could help, yo. Especially since you're talking about how the offense might struggle. I think that could help. The, the beauty of it, too, is he doesn't need to become uh, a flashy, great passer. He just needs to be able to locate the open player and pass it to them. And like that is something that, and it's something that Alonzo Mourning struggled with for a long time. Yeah, there was a lot of years where double teaming him was the answer to stopping Miami's offense, um, and he got better at it. So, I mean, there is precedent for players developing that part of the game, and it's just I an th- easy thing finding open guys. I think the They're- turnovers as well. He's going to have to fix because when when he gets double teamed, he does he is prone to turning the ball over. Um, so. You know. But these are such little things that he can work on, like, yo, keeping the ball up, right? Another thing, if you want him to become a better screener, better passer, things like that, you can start off with doing more, like, uh, uh, what's it called? But, like, the dribble handoffs up top uh, on the top of the floor. Like, that's something you can eat. You get a screen, and you get Hassan to move the ball. You get the offense moving. Because a lot of times Hassan will get the ball and just try to do his own thing, and he keeps the ball down low naturally. Like, these are all things that you can kind of accommodate. And I feel like he can still get better because of that. And I feel like a lot of... Um, for the Heat to kind of be like uh, what uh, what Leif thinks it is, and I and I don't even mean that because I think the Heat are going to win forty seven games. But like, if you want them to be at that level, they need to get better at some of the things that they were bad at last season. And I know it sounds like nothing, but there are a lot of things that they can literally just work on and get better at easily. I think. I really I'm stuck on what Christian said about that Spurs model because the more I think about it. Man, a lot of those people were just guys. It's just like Patty Mills and like Corey Joseph and like uh, who's the Gary Neal. I mean, Kawhi was emerging and he was already playing at a very high level. Tiago Splitter, like who are these people? And like, Tim Duncan was, was was still good, but he was definitely past his prime. Oh, like, Parker was a good player, but you can argue that Goran's a better player than Parker was then. And you know, okay, yeah, Ginobili's, you know, but those are guys that. You know, Ginobili wasn't an all-star player either. You know, he has the veteran leadership craftiness. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of those, a lot of that roster and a lot of what killed Miami were just dudes. And I think that that circles back to coaching and and Popovich is great. And the thing that a lot of people, a lot of Heat fans, Heat fans even take for granted the the level of coach that that we have. Um, And so, you know, you build around a system rather than a superstar. And I know that that sounds like blasphemy to, uh, to some, but at this current moment in a transition year, in a transition period, um, it's probably the most prudent approach. Yeah, and um, you know, you guys are going to make fun of me, um, and everyone's going to make fun of me. I, I, I actually thought, I applied this to a basketball sense, I saw an anime, and the, one of the characters was talking about why he loves money. 
and he was explaining that money is something that's replaceable that it doesn't have a, a scarcity that like other things have when you have something and you say i'll never be able to replace this or i love like he's like money's not like that you can always get more fast and i kind of thought about that in the sense of like kind of role players like the best are the ones that like when you have a system like the patriots or like the or like the spurs where like gary neal is replaceable like you don't like and now that they're like incredibly great a lot of those guys are just it's plug and play right and the Patriots are the same like okay uh Gronk is hurt next man up or who's that guy in the Super Bowl that went nuts and you know Randy Moss is gone it doesn't matter you know here's Aaron Hernandez and this other freak tight end like these great coaches with these systems like guys are expendable like nobody's obviously the stars like Brady Kawhi you know that's irreplaceable but most of those guys are replaceable I like, think, sorry, hopping no, off of what was, you're saying, was... hopping off of what you're saying, I think that's kind of the fairest criticism lies of the Heat, because I, I feel like they're kind of trying to emulate that kind of concept of, of, of what the Spurs and the Patriots have, or they have a system where they have plug-and-play guys, and you, you kind of, uh, you, you, the thing is, the Heat aren't keeping them at the same value that these guys are, because like uh, like Dan talks about this all the time, how the Patriots will move on all the time and, and they will not re-sign guys to expensive contracts just to keep them. And I think that's where the fairest criticism lies, even though I don't think the contracts uh, that he gave out were, 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 were horrible. They're okay. I think that's where the fairest criticism great, lies because they're kind of they're in okay. the middle. I think it's a little apples oranges when you go football and basketball just because of, you know, the amount of players on the court and, and so on and so forth. But I mean, look at San Antonio, how many guys have they kicked to the curb when the value went way up? Um, I think that they try to retain a lot of those guys and they've given contracts to Danny greens and guys like that. Uh, so I think that I, I really think the Spurs are the more closely followed model. And, uh, and when we talk about value, yeah, we had to pay these guys now, but last year they were great value. Hassan was in the D league. He was making 800,000 and he was, you know, getting triple doubles with blocks and then he was great value. I don't know that it's realistic to think that you're going to always be able to have that kind of value with every single player that comes through. Eventually you have to pay for some of these guys. I think definitely not realistic. That's why the Patriots are so like ridiculous. Well, nobody else can pull that off. I think you kind of want something like the Warriors, right, where they're getting value. Like, you know, when you give a max contract to a guy like Durant, like, regardless how you look at that, that's always going to be value, right? Like, the Celtics gave Gordon Hayward as much money as Durant gets, right? Like, that's not value. They're overpaying for someone that they needed. Durant, you're not overpaying. Like, you'd give him, you'd throw the kitchen sink at him because that guy is such a difference maker. Like, or that's like, whatever they're doing, the pay cut that he took. Yeah, huh? Oh, he. That's not even including the fact but that I'm he just took, saying, like, like if Durant, if Durant did get a max, like you're not hey, overpaying. Hey, no, you're right. yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, there's different ways to find value. But like going circling back to the Heat, I think a lot of those deals are just okay. They're not great, but they're not bad. You know, what I think I mean? it they're matters not- a lot on the the perspective. I think the Heat are projecting forwards in a way that they're thinking these guys are going to be at this shape, at this level of play that they were at towards the end of the year. For these throughout these four years and possibly getting better, I feel like the Heat aren't looking at it as like, oh look, we're going to be a forty-one team for a forty-one win team for four years. I think they expect to get better. I don't know how much better they will get, but I mean, I think just plugging in Olenek and Bam, getting Justice back, getting Jay Rich to maybe start as a three instead of Rodney freaking Magruder, 
Yeah, I, I hey, think man, just there Rodney they're going to be well 35 games. He shot 33% from three. He didn't shoot yeah, that no, well. No Rodney second, second half of the season, it wasn't good, Chris? Huh? Second half of the season? Because I know Rodney did improve a lot. Yeah, he got better, but he wasn't like a knockdown shooter. He had some really bad games. Like, okay. Right. I mean, he's just, I mean, at the three, he, he should be playing the three. Yeah, yeah. It, dude, if, if you played a lineup where Magruder was guarding the point guard, I would love the shit out of that lineup. Are we still writing that down, Brian, or no? Not anymore. <clears throat> okay, good. Uh, let's let it fly. Um, well, the other thing about the way that the roster is built, um, if this were to go south for any reason, injuries, things don't work out, Leif is totally wrong because he's such a dumb homer. You homer? Whatever, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like, you have these young guys like Jay Rich, who is now a secured asset that you can flip to someone else, and he's not a guy where where teams are going to say, I'm not giving you anything for him because we're going to have to pay him some crazy contract in a year or he's going to be a free agent. So I, I think that the other part of this is that I, I, I don't know that everyone realizes how quickly this roster can be changed. Um, I think it's underestimated how fast that you can pivot off this entire idea. Uh, so there's just flexibility. There's more flexibility than we give credit to with this roster, in my opinion. Paul George, guess... Carmelo Anthony, Ennis Cantor, oh, no Doug McDermott. Look at the guys that they traded to get their hands on these stars. And, of course, there's there's different Evil. circumstances, different factors, like Paul George having the one year and uh, Melo having the no-trade clause. Obviously, like, these are things that, that matter. But there's, like, there's so much variance with these situations and these stars and what can happen. And it's like... Yo, how do you know that James Johnson and Deion Waiters and a Justice Winslow can get you somebody? Like, look at the stars that were traded this summer. Who was the best player that was taken in return from any of these stars? Zach Levine? Isaiah Thomas. Oh, wait, yeah, that's true. Random example. <laughs> Dude, let me tell you something. I was thinking about today, Isaiah Thomas, like, um, you know, his, his bad-ass hip. He's going to come back at that size, coming off that injury for that long. That might look really bad. I think they're going to conserve his minutes. That I, might, think I, like, I think I'm that's where Dwayne helps, too. I think that, that they're going to... baby. That might be apocalyptically bad for Isaiah Thomas. So like, are they planning on starting Derrick Rose and D-Way together? Man, I I, let so. me tell you something. I... That's a horrible like, idea. In the NBA, I don't think there's a guy I root for less than Derrick Rose. Like, I actively root <laughs> for his failure. Yeah, I'm kind of in that same... I don't know if I've ever said up. that I hate, like, another player on the show. I don't think I have. I hate that what? guy, man. What? Derrick Rose? Does Tyler Johnson not ring a bell? Yeah. Oh, my God. I totally, yeah, I do hate him. Yeah, yeah, like I was, we have done a TJ list show. I haven't even mentioned next year's awful cap hit. You know what? Next show. Hey, man. What's up? Hey. Good. 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 Let's talk about how, how well you know he can fit at the three. Think? It's perfect. I think I think they need to not I think he needs to not handle the ball. I agree. I think that that needs to I be agree. like they need to put him in lineups where like he doesn't need to dribble a lot. 
if he's the starting three, that's perfect. That's perfect. Because you, know you should have needs? justice off the bench handling, not Josh Richardson. Do you know what this team needs? Benno Udrick. No, Dear God, no. I, think, I don't I, disagree. I, I, Riley, Riley no, said on, in the if we if we wanted a Ben Oudre, we could have had him. It what was happens, available to us. What happens if Goran gets hurt? What happens they if bring him in on a ten day contract? Man, you need another. They low key have pretty good playmakers. Competent ball handler that won't make an apocalyptic mess of the offense. Like. I've said this before. Tyler Johnson is best off the ball. Like his skill set, Tyler Johnson can finish through contact. He's a good cutter. He's a good shooter. His skill set's not on the ball. I mean, like, Gianni, so- the the ball handlers are the forwards. It's Justice and James. James Magic Johnson. You want you want them bringing the ball? Yeah. You don't. You frankly, don't I you think like, Spo is envisioning Dion doing a lot of handling the ball, and when Goran is not in. Oh, game. and of course, Dion. I mean, no, Dion, but I'm saying, I'm saying, in the event of an injury, yeah, no, I get it's a well-oiled machine if if Dion and Goran are healthy. But I'm saying, if what? Why are you laughing? <laughs> because we're, because it's such a Homer podcast. We're like well-oiled machine. <laughs> <laughs> Dion Waiters yeah. and Goran Dragic, well-oiled machine. We're arguing if they're going to win 55 or 60 games. We're such losers. <laughs> Listen, I, I will stand on that hill. No, it's so bad. I let me tell you something. I wanted to come on the show today, and I want to trash the team and trash Riley. And Chris talked me into they can be the Spurs. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Don't Stop put words in my mouth. I didn't say they could be the Spurs. I said that that's what they're no, aspiring no, to be. No, I'm fair now, dude. We're they're a trade away from being 2014 Spurs. Done deal, dude. You got me. Leif and you got me. Okay, wait. Well, let's have some fun with this then. Who do you think would be the target? Say, who do you think will get disgruntled? Who do you think will want to leave their city? Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's yeah. a move. Something else. Brian, I would give up a- the entire team for him if that was possible, and that's not an exaggeration. A real talk. If, if, would, you if goes- Riley for, would you trade Riley for Giannis? Yes. Yes. Has like a year to left on his contract. No, I would do it. I would do There's it. Some health questions, Listen, my my godfather Riley pick is going to become a spo pick at some point. Yo, that's going to happen. If it was Doc Rivers running this team or another competent GM, I would still make that trade. Oh, let me ask you something. Would you trade Spo for Durant? Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> I think. Do you trade Spo for Clay Thompson? No. 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 God, you, no. What's wrong with you? I'm trying to figure the line of where do we not trade Spo for? A generational superstar is the line. <laughs> is Anthony, would you trade Spo for Anthony Davis? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah probably. Would you trade Spo for Carl Anthony Towns? And, but this is the thing. Let me qualify. Okay, this game sucks. I don't like I, the game. I, I know we we shouldn't go down this, but, but this is the reason why I would say yes is because we have other guys on the bench that can become the next foe, and that's the beauty of this system. And here's the word culture. Oh, no, they don't have the next foe. Are you me? Like, 
Let, if you did you hear um who was on the Woj podcast? Smart is after being the next Bo after he ran. Jared Dudley was on Woj's podcast recently and said he literally he hears from the entire league that the next coach everyone wants to play for is Jawan Howard. Wow. Why? I don't know. I mean, he said it, not me. Players but coach. Dan Craig is uh is another guy. He's a guy, man. We got guys. Is that Craig? Isaiah Thomas, the Spoh's Kyrie? Let's trade Spo. Who are we trading Spo for? I'm here, Spo. I'm here. I am here. Yo, we really cornered the market on some new shit, though. I I think, I think, (laughs) is Cat the line? Because, like, I I trade Spo for Cat. Like, I'm there. Support us? Would you trade Spo for James Harden? Because I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade Spo for James Harden. (laughs) No, uh, no, not for James Harden. I would, I, is Bulls gold. Brian with the dad jokes, man. I, I'm there, dude. I'm there. On a serious note, though, what if what if Golden State all of a sudden cannot pay all these guys? They just cannot do it, and Clay becomes. I think, a I think Clay is like, like I think we've already Clay is a realistic target. That's a good example of a team that would not want a bunch of draft picks. They want guys who can contribute to that team now, and that is on. Yo, James Johnson would be you have the pieces. an amazing fit on that team. He would. Oh, good, dude. I'd love Clay Thompson here. I'd love his surly ass. He looks like he hates He looks like he hates everyone. You put too much emphasis on the ass, and it made me a little bit uncomfortable. You did. I didn't know if it was the surly <laughs> You were really into right there. I, want I don't know. I feel like, like normally you would say surly ass, but like you said, him and his surly ass. Yeah. That's a guy. No, but hold on. Wait. Like we've joked, but that's a guy. Man, that's a he's. You know, and I've I've kind of been of the opinion that Steph has hurt his legacy in a way because I think if he wasn't on Golden State, we'd probably be talking about him as one of the five best shooters that ever lived. Who Steph? Uh, wait. Clay. So we're. Oh, Clay. Clay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think by being next to Steph, that's not discussed. I think right? he's like, still going to go down with that. Still, yeah. No, but it's two way games. I don't think it's up for dispute, but I'm saying that that's not a conversation that's had, that I've, I have not heard had on NBA social media, on any radio show. On I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not a big. At the end of the day, he's still getting. Yeah, he, I mean, he's still, he's still getting, he's still reaping the benefits of playing on possibly no, the greatest course. team of all time. But I'm, know? I'm, and he gets all the open shots, and I, I get that. But I'm just saying that he's such a great shooter, and I think he's probably going to go down as number two or three. Oh, most definitely. I mean, look, he's a, he's shot forty percent from three every season of his career at volume. Like it's an at, absurd at big volume. Did he take like ten a game or something? Like something absurd like that? He's taken eight per game the last two seasons. Crazy! I'd love him here. He's have the ultimate green light with Spo. Oh, of you know, course. you know, he's Spoh. the most textbook jumper of all time. And I am no, serious about that. No, Ray Allen, dude. No, man. I don't think Ray Allen's jumper is textbook. I don't think that's how he. That's how it gets taught. Ray Allen's te- jumper is textbook, yeah. Clay Thompson starts textbook. from right up here on his face, and he releases Ray it Allen so has quickly. the same shooting motion. Didn't, uh, didn't ESPN nah. Sports Science did a thing that Ray's shot is the literal same every single time? Yeah. Glenn Rice was also, like, how you teach it with the guide hand on the side and, you know, the elbow in and that whole deal. 
if they can shoot it. old, yo. What's up? You know, we, we gotta, you know, you would have a lot of fun doing a show with Evan Cohen. We're gonna try to get him on again this season, and I think he loves talking old Heat players. So that that would be a really fun show to do. Get you and Evan on. Did you just call Leif washed? No, Leif's so washed. Hey, that's all good, man. Leif is so washed. I you felt so remember when Alf came in. The Heat fans love me. The Heat fans love me. You know what I felt really washed? I felt it feels, washed it feels bipartisan, though. During Irma, like having to do a lot of yard work. And I was like, man, uh, I'm washed. It was hot. I'm putting up shutters. I felt tired. It's like it was brutal. I was like dead at the end of the day, and I was like, "Oh God, I'm not 25. I, I, I'm 25, but I don't feel it." But you were hoping for the hurricane to hit. No, I wasn't. You're crazy. Oh God, I'm sick, guys. I'm sick of these storms. You know, like I've been obsessed with storms and natural disasters. Chris Whittingham made a, like a hurricane like list on Twitter. There was a point in time where I was refreshing that all day. Just like tracking storms, I was scared of Maria. Even Yo, though I don't get that wasn't coming. What I don't get that. My I spent I spent the hurricane with my family, and they had the whole time either the TV broadcast or the radio broadcast on monitoring it. And I understand, but like at the, once you're at the, to me, once you're at the point of you prepared and you've done everything you can, how are you going to be monitoring it every second? I feel like you're just going to drive yourself insane doing that. I did. No, I did. I and let me tell you something. I legitimately thought that I was going to die. Yo, the music on the Weather Channel too is real dramatic. Oh, it's yeah. like it's gonna, like you're about to die. It's like local news is straight trash. Let me tell Don't you. Don't Yo, they had Will Manso's ass covering the storm in front of the AAA. And Again, like, with the emphasis on the word ass. Yo, what's wrong with you? I don't know, man. <laughs> local news is. Uh, speaking of that, local news is also ass. Would you guys watch during the storm? <laughs> man, this producing is ass. Excuse me, sir. Yeah, hang on a sec. You've been riding this thing all day, and my son would like a turn. Hmm, he seems a bit young for this twin-cylinder hog, doesn't he? It's a coin-operated kitty bike. No, ma'am. It's a coin-operated freedom machine. No, it's a kitty bike. It's hard to be without your bike, so do something easy and protect it with Progressive Motorcycle Insurance. With basic policies as low as $75 a year, you'll be back on the road in no time. Visit Progressive.com to quote today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states.